So we don't have leaky roofs or anything like that. The umbrellas are here because we're on a series that's talking about spiritual umbrellas. And last week we talked about the authority of the Word of God as an umbrella. So that's what God holds over us. So if you want to call it protection, that's, that's part of what it, what it is. So he's given all these spiritual umbrellas for us. Today, Kevin's going to be talking about the uh, umbrella of a believer's authority. Now, it'll be interesting as he does this, because I think you'll be challenged with some of the, especially if you've been a Christian for a a while, because there's a lot of circles that have believers having an authority that the Bible doesn't actually tell us we have. So where'd that come from? I think Kevin's going to talk about that a little bit today. But what we'll learn is our position and, and where we do have authority. Amen? So then next Sunday, we'll be going into governmental authority. And then after that, Joel will be bringing a word. And uh, it'll be on the, um, is it parental, Joel, you're doing? He just left back with the teens. So whatever he'll be doing, but it'll be good. And you'll learn about these umbrellas of protection where God extends his protection over us as we yield to him. Amen? So without further ado, let's pray for Kev. How many want to hear a good word this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you for your servant. We thank you, God, for your word which would come forth through him. And Lord, in the end, that it's the best we can do is to try to convey the truth of your word with integrity, God, and that you would take those words of man, that you would anoint him, because your word is anointed. So, God, we stand behind both the cross and your word, and let it come forth richly to bless, to heal, to transform. And so, God, Father, we submit to your authority right now over our lives, and yield to your voice, that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Um, I just want to say is pastor appreciation, and I just want to say my piece now. Um, I've been coming here. We actually lost count because I can't remember how long it's been. It's been somewhere between five to seven years. But when you're with family, you lose track of time. And I just want to think uh, this church has means so much to me. Ever since I came, um, I, I remember things about each and every person. And um, I just thank God for placing me here, drawing me here, leading me here. But most importantly, for you all, and also for the leadership in your life, which is Pastor um, and his family, and of course, Joel II. Um, it's amazing when you have a pastor that takes you under their wing and guides and leads you and believes in you. But it's also a double blessing when you become friends as well. So I just thank God for this church. I thank God for you and for the leadership of Pastor Joel and his family and Joel II. Thank you, love you, and thank you for believing in me. Amen. All right, so I do want to talk uh, this morning on the delegated privileges of the believer. And as Pastor said, we are going to, I am going to be talking about authority. And a lot of times, um, you know, our flesh does not want to submit to authority. Um, it, it's just what we don't want to do. So I want to ask a question. Who is the authority figure in your home? Or should I say this? Who wears the pants in your house? <laughs> all right. It's something that we all, you know, that we all, we heard the saying before, 
And, you know, if you're married, you definitely know what that means. And uh, if you have children, you also know what that means because it's like, uh, if they're your kids, you're going to discipline them. So you're the authority figure this week. But um, there, there's, there's a distinction there. We need to, to know that in everything in life, even on your job, of who's in authority, who's in charge, who's over uh, the situations, who's over the different things that we come in contact with. So next question, how do you yourself handle authority? Just think of that for a moment. How do you handle authority? How do you look at figures, people, and authority? Do you submit? Do you respect them? When you see a, a, a police, and I know there's a lot of things going on in our world today and on the Internet, but um, not everybody is bad. Not all cops are bad, just like not all Christians are bad, okay? So how do you handle authority? So as we're going on, as I'm going on this morning, here's some points I want you to consider that we're going to look at, and hopefully you'll walk away this morning with some answers. Do we as believers have authority in the body of Christ? Where does our authority come from? And how are we to use it? Okay? Again, do we as believers have authority in the body of Christ? Where does our authority come from? And how are we to use it? I want us to look at Genesis chapter 1 and verses 26 and 28. A lot of times, many of you know, I... I like to go back to the beginning. I like to go back and look and lay foundation and build from there. So I want us to look at this. So it says, then God said, let us make human beings in our image. Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 to 28. To be like us. Now here it is. Here's key points. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign. So we have govern and we have reign. Over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. Govern, or subdue, depending on the translation that you're looking, does not mean destroy or ruin. It does not mean that. It does mean to act as managers who have the authority to run everything as God planned. Okay? Rule, we rule as monarchs. We don't dominate. We don't destroy God's creation. Okay? It was God's plan for humanity to have authority, to rule and to reign. These are characteristics that we see in God. Okay? We see in the beginning God created. He creates. We know that God rules and reigns over his creation. And this was what God was placing. Um, He rules and reigns over every creation and was placing this authority in his creation, which is mankind. Okay, this is what we see here in Genesis chapter 1. However, something happened. So while Adam and Eve was in the garden, they had governing the power to rule and to reign. But something happened. Genesis chapter 3 and verses 14 and 15. 
It said, then the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, what did he do? He deceived Adam and Eve. Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling in the dust as long as you live. And I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Very key. And the reason I'm I'm showing you this is because we're going to see this unfold. He will strike your head. Who's he? Will be the offspring of the woman. We should know who the offspring of the woman of Eve was through the lineage. It is Jesus Christ. And you will strike his heel. Okay? He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. So what happened here? So for thousands of years, Satan's corrupt and abuses this authority. This authority was relinquished that Adam and Eve had in the garden because they disobeyed God. Their governing power and rule and reign was transferred. Now it was transferred. Sin entered the earth. Sin entered humanity. And everything has been affected by sin. Another key point to remember. That we live in a sin-fallen world. That's very key. So for thousands of years, Satan's corrupt and abused this authority. And he deceives humanity, humanity through deceit, lies, and trickery. But his corrupt kingdom and rule was limited. It was only for a time. Let me tell you, God has things worked out in your life, when you're, whatever you're going through, and you're thinking, I don't know how this is going to happen. Everything's array. Everything's out of order. I'm guaranteeing you that if you submit to God and obey and follow him, I guarantee you he's working behind the scenes, and he will work it out. Kevin, how can you say this? Because I have seen it in my own life. It happens. He does not abandon his own He does not abandon you, his children. He will work it out. What we don't see a lot of times is how he's doing it. And that's where we get fearful. But we have to trust in him that he is working behind the scenes and will work it out for his glory and your victory. What is authority? Authority is the power or right to do something, particularly to give orders and see they are followed. I'm going to say it again. The power right to do something, particularly to give orders and see they are followed. That's what authority is. Someone gives the orders, and then they want to see those orders followed. Now, as I said, through, throughout the ages, we've seen from Old Testament, you see, look through the Old Testament, you see how Satan abused this with humanity, how he lied to humanity, and his deceit. Well, now Jesus comes on the scene. And now Satan has this authority and this rule, and now he comes to tempt Jesus, just as he tempts us. You know, are you really a Christian? Just like, are you really the son of God? You know, he comes at us to still kill and destroy. This is the same thing when he was going to the Lord. But here's the thing that Satan did. In Luke 4 and verse 5, he said, Then the devil led him up. This is Jesus. The devil is leading Jesus up to tempt him to a high place and show him in a flash all the kingdoms of the world. I want you to think about this. I want you to get a mental picture in your head that here you are, 
that the enemy of your soul is leading you up and he's showing you all these kingdoms. Let me tell you, he, he's laying it out. All the gold, all the riches, all the stuff that goes with it. This is what he's flashing before Jesus. He said to him, to you, I will grant this whole rim and the glory that goes along with it. Here's the key point. For it has been relinquished to me. It has been given to me. Where was it given? Back in the Garden of Eden. And I can give it to anyone I wish. So then, if you will worship me, all this will be yours. He says, I have the power to give these kingdoms to you. He was exaggerating. Although Satan does have authority and rule, he doesn't have the power to give kingdoms away. This is what Satan does. He lies, he tricks, and he twists. He twists truth. Satan wasn't the only one that claimed to have authority over Jesus. This one is funny. So here we have, it comes time, Jesus is going through his life and through his ministry, and he's preaching and he's teaching, and he's healing the sick, and he's raising the dead, and he's doing these different things, and now comes time to his end. Now comes time to his crucifixion. And he comes before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate was the governor of Judea. A governor. I want you to get this. Okay? So he's a governor. And here he brings Jesus before the crowd. Because the crowd, the Jews, and, of course, us spiritually, is wanting to crucify Jesus Christ. So he brings him before the crowd. And Pilate's there standing next to him. And here's Jesus with his hands behind his back tied. And all this time, Pilate's asking questions, and Jesus is not answering. He's remaining silent. So Pilate says, okay, so you're going to remain silent towards me? And here's the key thing that Pilate said. He says, don't you know, he says, that I have authority to release you? All the other accusations that were spoken against Jesus, Jesus remained silent. This one struck something in Jesus. And Jesus said back to him, you would have no authority over me unless it was given to you from above. He's like, I I couldn't help but think as I was reading this and I was studying, I couldn't help but think that here's Jesus and Jesus is just in his mind. And here's Pilate saying, I have the authority to release you. And Jesus going, ha, do you know who you're talking to? (laughs) You have no authority over me. And the authority that you have isn't even really yours. My father gave it to you. And he could take it away like that. But something struck Jesus that made him speak about that and about the authority. Because it's like he wanted, like, uh uh-uh, we're going to get this straight. We're going to get this straight where your authority and all authority comes from. He's like, "Don't don't get too cocky here, Pilate. Don't think you're all that in a bag of chips here because you're not. And I'm going to set you straight. So this was very important to Jesus. Authority and power was very important to Jesus. And we saw this work throughout his ministry. People was amazed and awed by the authority and power of Jesus. Not only in his teaching, as we see that when Jesus was, was a teenager and went in and was, and was talking in the synagogues, that they was amazed by his authority and his preaching of the word and his teaching of the word. 
where did Jesus give his authority? Authority was so important to him. But where did he get his authority? Because he was our example. I want us to, I want us to remember this. Jesus Christ was our example. Whenever we look, I, I want to say this, interject this right here. Years ago, when I was working at my uh, place of business, I worked in mental health, and I was talking to some of my female coworkers and things, and they said to me, they're like, you're not like a typical man. And I've heard way worse than that about me. All right? So, and, and, and they, she kept saying it to me. And I'm like, what does that mean? I, I don't understand what that means. So, I begin to watch and to observe some men around me, co-workers and different things, and I'm hearing them and how they talk and degraded women and how they treated them as objects and just different things. And I'm like, no, I'm not like that. And, and then I'm like, okay, so whose example do I want to be? Who do I want to look after? And I begin to go through the Gospels, and I begin to look at Jesus and what he taught. And, what, and I'm thinking, thank God that I'm not like these other men. And I don't say that to be, I'm not saying that to be cocky or arrogant. I mean that my example was showing and that I wasn't living that lifestyle. And um, so I'm like, you know, for that aspect, it was like, well, good. Because this is Jesus' example that I wanted to be. And let me tell you, young men, and let me tell you, all men, Jesus is the example that all men are to follow. Okay. So, he goes on in John, and he, he talks about his authority. And he says, for I am not spoken from my own authority. Jesus said, I'm not speaking from my own authority. He's going to tell where his authority comes from. He says, but the Father himself who sent me has commanded me what I should say and what I should speak. What I should say and what I should speak. He says, and I know that his command commandment is eternal life. Thus these things I say, I say just as the Father told me. That should be our prayer. I want to say and do exactly what the Father tells me. I want to be in obedience. I want to be in submission. And we know this, if, if we know the word, that Jesus was obedient even until death. He was obedient to the Father's will and plan clear until his death. This should be our prayer. This should be our life goal, is to be obedient and to do what God, the Father, says in word and in deed. One of my favorite scriptures here as well is um, also when I was growing up, um, there was a lot of talk about the Godhead. You know, is Jesus God? Is Jesus this? Is Jesus... And I thought, you know, if I was to ask Jesus a question, this is what I would ask him. I'd say, Jesus, show us the Father. You talk about the Father, show us the Father. And I'm telling you, I was a teenager. And the Lord took me to this chapter and to this verse. And here's what it says. But also, it's talking about his authority. Says so Philip said to him, Philip did, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. The same question I would ask. It says, Jesus said, I have been so long with you, and you still don't know me. Philip, whosoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And then he goes on. 
and he talks about authority. And he says, do you not believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. He's again saying, the Father that dwells in me, he does the works. What works? We're going to see. So, here's what I want you to remember. Jesus said that the authority that he has affects his speech. Remember what he says and what he speaks. Now he's saying his authority also affects my works, what I do. He continues, he says, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me, this is a very familiar scripture to all of us that are in like a Pentecostal charismatic background. This is a very familiar scripture, and this is one of the things that pastor said at the beginning that a lot of people blow out of proportion, okay? So Jesus is talking about authority in this scripture. Very key point. He says, truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. He says, whatever you ask in my name, This will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. And then he goes on and talks about the Holy Spirit that will come to us and will be a comforter and a helper. Here's what I want to say. When he's talking about greater works than these, he's not talking about quality. He's not talking about quality of works. We can't do greater quality of works than what Christ did, but we can do more quantity because there's more of us, and the gospel has spread, and the gospel is over the the world now. So this is what he's talking about. But here's the key thing that he's talking about, the importance of the miracles that we do. What should the miracles do? The miracles and gifts and signs and wonders and all that, that operate in the church What are these for? These are not for you. These are not for you that operate in these gifts to be boasted up and to think, I'm greater than Ted. I can can lay hands on the sick and they recover. I'm greater than Jay because I can speak in tongues. No. These are all serve a purpose. And this is what Jesus is saying here. He's saying you're going to do greater works because there's going to be, my kingdom is going to expand. My kingdom will go forward. The gospel will go forward. There will be more souls that saved for my kingdom. And this is what he was stressing. It's not about us. It's about the authority. It's about him. Believers will collectively perform more miracles than Jesus. When he talks about whatever you ask in my name, this is referring to the occasion when he is given credit for the work. So when we lay hands on someone or whatever we do, and we say in the name of Jesus Christ, we are showing whose authority that we're operating in. And that authority is Jesus Christ. It's by this authority. It's by his authority that we're doing this. He gets the glory, not you, not us, not me. He gets the glory. May be glorified. Miracles are meant to make God's greatness known. Miracles are meant to make God's greatness known. Not for 
Not for us to boast. Not for us to be like we're better. No. It all is about God and his people. It always comes back to that. So, what does that lead us? We have deputized authority. We as believers, we as Christians have deputized authority. Mark chapter 6, Jesus called the 12 and he began to send them out two by two. And it says, and he gave them authority over unclean spirits. He gave them authority over unclean spirits. Who gave the authority? Jesus did. So whose authority was it to give? Amen. All right. So they went out and preached that all should repent. They cast out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Jesus said in John chapter 12, Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. God's kingdom has now come to earth. This is why when he's here, we're seeing all these demons coming out. We're seeing that God's kingdom explodes. This is what's happening. And he said, now the rule and the reign and the corrupt kingdom of Satan is now going to be driven out because my kingdom is coming here. God's kingdom is coming and breaking forth. And mankind will be restored and reconciled back to the Father. Mark 16, it says, these signs shall accompany them that believe. What, what does that mean? These signs will follow, some will say. This is a very key point as well. So Jesus is telling his disciples at the end in Mark chapter 6, he says, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall, in my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new languages. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And whatever poison they would drink will not harm them. They will place their hands on the sick and they will be well. It continues and it says, while the Lord, while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the word through the accompanying signs. God confirmed the word through the accompanying signs, but he gave the authority. And they, the accompanying signs was, these are my children. These are the ones I have deputized authority to. Under my name, they are doing this, and they are the ones that are going forth that I have deputized and gave my authority to. We see this in the book of Acts. We see the disciples performing miracles. We see them um, raising the lame man. Uh, Peter did and raised the lame man, and he came before the people, and he said, this is done through the name and authority of Jesus Christ. But this is the accompanying of the signs following the works of the people. Also, we see in Hebrews, it says the same thing, and God confirmed the message by giving signs and wonders and various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. A very another important scripture, because here, let me just say this, and again, this is what Pastor was alluding to at the beginning. We have to stop and think, for those that think, and, and I was raised in Pentecostal holiness movement, and for those that think that every time that we lay hands on the sick, that they are going to instantly recover. Let me ask you, how many times do you see that happen? Not every time. So what does that mean? Well, here's what it comes to. And this is what I've heard said. That many times when people's laid hands and they believe this, and let me say, I believe it, but we have to put it in perspective and to put it in the right perspective. So if I was to believe that everybody I laid my hands on would recover, 
be healed. And I lay my hands on someone, and they were not recovered or healed. This is what people have said. They, the person, didn't have enough faith. Now, I want you to think about that. You have an illness, if it's cancer or whatever, and you've tried everything, you've gone to doctors, and then you come to church, and I'm going to lay my hands on you and believe, and I'm saying I'm, you're going to be healed, and I do, and you're not healed. And then I say, you don't have enough faith to be healed. What does that do to you? I mean, that would make me give up on everything. I've tried doctors. Nothing happened with them. I'm coming to a church that says I'm going to be healed, and I'm not, and then I'm blamed. This is not what God has in order. It is not. This is what we have to remember. All authority comes from God. All of it. Everything. You that rule and reign or wear the pants in your home, don't wear them too tight because God's in authority. All right? Don't get them too high because God's in authority. Romans 13 says, For there is no authority except for the God's appointed. Remember that the Holy Spirit does the signs and wonders whenever he chooses. He chooses. All right? We know Jesus now. Jesus now has all authority. How do I know this? Because he says it in Matthew 28. He says, all authority, let me, let me get it straight. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All of it. All. Some people say, why are you guys so big on Jesus' name? Because it's all authority, it's all him. It's all in him. It all operates through him. It's all by him. It's everything comes back to Jesus. This is why we're big on the name of Jesus Christ. No other name given among heaven, among men, whereby we must be saved. It's his name. It's not Buddha. It's not Allah. It's not Krishna. It's not any of the other religions out there. Jesus Christ. He has all authority. And let me put it this way. He has even authority over Allah and Buddha and all of them. It says it right here. Now, what does that mean for us? Jesus defeats Satan. We see that also in Matthew. He talks about it and he says, unless first, there's another scripture that's taken out of context. Jesus said, how else can someone enter a strong man's house and steal his property unless he first ties up the strong man, then he can thoroughly plunder the house. This is not about demon spirits. Jesus is talking about authority, and he's talking about the kingdom of Satan, and he's talking about his authority that's on earth, and he's saying, now I've come, God's kingdom's here, I have the authority, and Satan's kingdom is going to be plundered. It's going to be destroyed. How also do we know this? Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and authority. You might be saying, Kevin, you're using a lot of scriptures. Yes, because I want us to get this. Colossians chapter 2, it says, You were dead of your sins, and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away, then God made you alive with Christ. For he forgave 
all your sin. So for all of those or for anybody that's here today, and this might be your first time ever walking to the church, and you're thinking, oh my goodness, I can't go to church. I've heard this. The church is going to catch on fire or the building's going to fall down. Let me tell you something. You too are not all that. God's grace, mercy, deliverance, salvation is stronger than anything, any sin that you have ever committed. His grace covers. This is why he went to the cross was for us. He goes on, he says he he canceled the record of the charge against us and took it away, nailing it to the cross. All the records against you. So the next time that somebody in your life wants to bring up your past, I remember what you used to do. I remember the drugs you used to take. I remember how you used to run around in your wife or your husband. You say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm a Christian, and it's nailed to the cross. All my old records have been nailed to the cross. They all have been forgiven by the authority and power and salvation in Jesus Christ. He goes on, he says, in this way, in what way, Jesus? In what way, Paul? In this way, Jesus took it and nailed it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authority. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. He destroyed the enemy and his kingdom. The devil that comes against you, that wants to remind you of your past and what you've done and everything, he is a defeated foe. Jesus Christ destroyed him and he crushed his head on the cross of Calvary. And now he has delivered us from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of his son. He is now the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. We have that. If you want that, Colossians 1.18, Jesus now is the head of the body, the church. Whose church is it? It's his church. And he says that as well. Jesus said in Matthew, he said, I will build my church. It's his church. Who is over and rules over all authority. We have been given this power and authority by God to be used as it was attended and not to be abused. We must be submitted to God and his authority first. Here is another in scripture to remember when it comes to authority. It says in James, submit yourself therefore to God. Resist the devil. See, a lot of people use the scripture and they forget the first part. They said, oh, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You've got to remember and take the whole verse in context. He says, submit yourself to God. You have to be in submission. What are you in submission to? You're in submission to his authority. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Clean your hands, you sinners, and purify purify your hearts, you double-minded. What does this mean? Our power and authority solely depends on God's will, our obedience, submission, and position in Christ. We can do nothing outside of him. We would be like the headless horseman, a body detached from the head. What do you mean, Kevin? 
I have a scripture for this as well. In Acts chapter 19, it should be maybe a familiar scripture to us. I believe I have this. 11 says, and God was doing extraordinary miracles by the hand of Paul. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases and evil, evil spirits was expelled. Let me stop for a minute here. This is where you might see a lot of times um, that some people will use handkerchiefs or pieces of cloth. If you have received one of those, this is the scripture that we get it from. However, you see TV evangelists that sells and trinkets and everything else. That's not the same, okay? So it goes on and says, And a group of Jews were traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. Okay? They were traveling exorcists. They tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, which is a leading priest, were doing this. But one time... When they tried it, the evil spirit replied, very key, very key right here. I know Jesus, the evil spirit is saying this. The evil spirit is talking back, and this is what he's saying. I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? Who who are you that's coming against? Then the man with the evil spirit, the man with the evil spirit leaped on them, overpowered them, and attacked them with such violence that they fled from their house naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to Jews and Greeks alike. A solemn fear descended on the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. The value of the books were several millions of dollars. I think I'm going to stop here. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had a powerful effect. All right. What does all that mean? Here's what it means. When the Spirit asked by, who are you? This account shows how the power of Paul was distinct from the power of these traveling exorcists. In fact, such manipulation by those who did not know Jesus, there was a judgment. The indirect way in which the exorcists made the appeal shows their distance from Jesus. And here is why. There's going to come a time that we're all standing before God and we'll be judged. And he's going to say to us, many people is going to say to him, Lord, Lord, he's going to ask them, why should I let you in? What, what, what have you done? And they're going to say, but wait a minute, Lord, didn't we, Lord, we'll enter the kingdom of heaven only the ones who do the will of the Father. This is what the Lord is saying. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? And in your name, didn't we cast out demons and do mighty deeds? See, are you seeing it? They're claiming to prophesy. They're claiming to cast out demons. They're claiming to do all this. But here's the key thing that the Lord will say it back. He says, depart from me, I never knew you. Go away, the things you did were unauthorized. You were not operating under my authority. And just like the sons of Sceva 
or the traveling exorcists, this is why. They were not operating under authority and power of Jesus. Let me draw to a close. Remember the importance of the privileges. This is what I want to get to. This is the, the importance of the privileges. The disciples came back and they said, Jesus, even the de- demons, they're, they're being submissive to us. They're, they're submitting to us and we're performing all these miracles and, um, in your name that all these things are happening. And here's what Jesus said. He says, nevertheless, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. He's saying, don't get all caught up because of you're seeing demons expel and, and all these signs and wonders. No, no, no. Don't get distracted on the main goal and the main prize. And that is that your name is written in heaven, that you are saved. Jesus was saying, don't overlook what is important. The important thing is the demons, not that the demons are submitted to you, but rejoice that you, your name is written and you are saved. I'm going to look at Ephesians here as we close. Ephesians chapter 1. This is what I want us to take away. This is what I want us to remember. Paul says, I have not stopped thanking God for you. He says, I pray for you constantly. This is at the church of Ephesians, Ephesus. Asking God, the glorious Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power. For us who believe, this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler. Here it is again. He is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ, and has made him head over all things for the benefit, for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Continuing two, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Do you see this? Just like Adam and Eve, disobedience. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world. He's talking about us. Obeying the devil, the commander of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. What was we subject to? It wasn't his authority. It was his anger. Just like everyone else. But God, but God, but God is so rich in mercy. And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised him up from the dead along with Christ and seated him and seated us 
He raised Christ from the dead and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. So going back here to the beginning to wrap this up, is the prophecy was fulfilled from Genesis chapter 3 that Satan's head was crushed. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ and we share in his privileges. We see this in Romans. It says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. What is this referring to? Paul is referring to all things being placed under the feet of believers to emphasize the participation in God's victory. So this is what I want you to walk away with. If you're taking notes, this is what I want you to write down. Authority means the power or right to do something, particularly to give orders and see they are followed. One. Two, there is no authority except by God's appointment. Three, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. Four, we have deputized authority. Five, Jesus disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. Six, Jesus is the head of the church. Seven, we must be submitted to God and his authority first. We must be submitted to God and his authority first. Our power and authority, eight, our power and authority solely demands, depends on God's will, our obedience, submission, and position in Christ. Nine, rejoice that your name is written in heaven. And ten, we are joint heirs with Jesus Christ, and we share in his privileges. So, how have you been using your authority that has been given to you by the Lord? How have you been using your authority that has been given to you by the Lord? Have you been using it cautiously or abusively? Who have you been looking to as the head of the church? Jesus Christ or your pastor? If Christ isn't your supreme authority, who is? If Christ isn't your supreme authority figure, who is? How will you look for God's supreme will in situations where you will, you will utilize your God-given authority, even if it goes against your preconceived beliefs? Meaning exactly what I just talked about. If you was believe that everybody you laid hands on would be healed, what are you going to do when you lay hands on someone and they're not? That's going against your preconceived beliefs. Are you going to allow for God's will to happen? How are you going to handle that? And last, what steps will you take this week to become fully and wholeheartedly submitted and obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace. I thank you for your authority. That, God, we can do nothing apart from you. That all authority is given to you, Jesus, in heaven and earth. And that we have deputized authority that you have given. Let us not become so mighty that we forget who is the head of the church, who is the head in our family, 
who is the head in our lives, that it's you. Father, let us not get sidetracked on all the sideshows that we see happening in the body of Christ with all these signs and miracles and gold dust falling and feathers falling and all this stuff. But God, let us rejoice that our name is written in heaven and that you came to take away our sins, to destroy and annihilate the kingdom of darkness and call us out of darkness into your marvelous light. This is what we need to keep focused on, Father. I ask, Lord, that for everyone that's here, if they have not submitted to you and surrendered to you, I ask the conviction of the Holy Spirit to touch them now, Lord, that they won't leave here today without coming underneath your authority. Father, I thank you again for each and every one. Continue to be with them and bless them this week, God. And again, until we come to your house, but never from your presence, we pray. We give you all praise and all glory. In Jesus' name. If you need prayer, come forward. I'll be here. I have some members of our prayer team here if you need prayer.